0: Today on Your Money, Your Wealth, we're all thinking about paying taxes as April 15th draws near. So when is the tax due on your Roth conversion? Is it ever a good idea to convert beyond your current tax bracket? And the fellas answer more of your Secure Act questions. What happens when there's no named IRA beneficiary? Does anything change if you're currently taking RMDs from an inherited stretch IRA? And what's the deal with tax-deductible IRA contributions? Plus, Joe and Big Al have some backdoor and Roth conversion strategies for our self-employed friends. I'm producer Andy Last, and we're in for a hip shaking good time today with Joe Anderson, CFP, and Big Al Clopine, CPA.
1: We got Jim from Santa Cruz writes in, Happy New Year to Andy, Joe, and Big Al. Your show is consistently awesome. Thanks, Jim. I'm 59 years old, W-2 employee. My wife is self-employed. We plan to retire in nine years and are expecting higher tax rate in retirement. So we did our first Roth conversion in December 2019 and we'll be making maximum future conversions each year. Maximum equals largest amount possible while being able to pay the resulting taxes. All right, that's an interesting way to look at yeah, it. I like it. Some some people think of it that way. Federal taxes are withheld from my paycheck. My wife makes quarterly estimated payments. My question, if I make a twenty thirty dollars 30000 Roth conversion on March 1st, 2020, are the resulting taxes due with my April 2020 Q1 104 um estimated payment? Can they be paid without penalty in spring of twenty twenty one? When I'd actually know the exact amount of the taxes resulting from the conversion. So he's so what is the best strategy here to pay the taxes? So he's looking at all right, if I'm doing a a conversion here in March, he's gonna convert thirty thousand dollars. Is that estimated tax payment due on his Q in April for Q one?
2: Yeah, and the answer is it depends, of course. (laughs) But I'll give you a couple of the rules to hopefully, uh, Jim, help you out a little bit. So first of all, if your withholding covers 90% of your tax liability, which I'm assuming it doesn't, but let's just say it does, your withholding plus your your normal estimated payments, if they cover 90% of your tax liability with the Roth conversion, then then you're okay. You don't need to make any extra. Or if they cover 100% of last year's tax or if your income was over 150,000 it would have to be 110% of last year's tax um, so the, that's the that's the consideration. So so for you, the fact that you have extra Roth conversion income, I'm guessing that you you you, you, you well you said you did it in 2019. So maybe something similar. So I'm going to make an assumption that your income in 2020 with the Roth conversion is relatively similar to 2019. And if so, your withholding and estimated payment should have already been calculated to. To factor that in, so I'm gonna I'm gonna say probably not. You probably don't have to make any more because I think you may have already have enough estimated payments to make
1: to to cover it. But it's I, I, would... I here's how I hear his question, is that he's gonna do a thirty thousand dollar conversion in Q1. Does he have to pay the estimated taxes on that conversion in Q1, or can he wait until next year?
2: It depends whether he had whether. By the year end, he's paid in ninety percent of this year's tax or hundred percent of last year's tax,
1: which he won't know till year end. So typically, it's already year end. It's I mean we're already in the Q one, right? So hear me out. So so for the year twenty twenty, yes, okay, I'm going to decide to do a conversion tomorrow. Okay, all right, ten thousand dollars. I'm in Q one of twenty twenty. Do I have to make an estimated payment for that conversion in twenty twenty? Right in Q1 because I added that income, or can I wait throughout the year to make the estimated payment? Okay, so uh, because uh, does the IRS know with, when I made the conversion? With with that question, then it would
2: be paid quarterly. So let's just say, because you did the Roth conversion, you have to pay more tax, and then it's a question of when do you pay it? Do you right. pay it quarterly? First quarter or with the tax return?
1: Or, or, or yes. Or can I maybe even maybe make the estimate
2: of payment in December? <laughs> so if you ask it that way, the answer is you would pay it quarterly. So you'd pay one quarter of the tax in April, one quarter of the tax in June, and so on. That's assuming that you needed to make the payment in the first place because that puts you over these the, limitations.
1: You got it. All yep. right. So w- w- the questions that come up w- when someone does a conversion in December... Yes. Right, and then then they have to file like a separate kind of <laughs> exemption BS form. Because- yeah. So
2: so in that particular case, so since you did it right at year end then you can use the annualization method because that that Roth conversion was in that last quarter. And that's on the penalty form. I think it's Form 2210. It's on page 4 of that. That's where you you show what your income was at different points during the year, and then you're not penalized as long as you make that payment for the fourth quarter estimate, which is January 15th of the following year.
1: All right, so going back, so Jim is stating, all right, well, I did the conversion. As long as he's already... from last year that he withheld over 100%, 90%,
2: this is so confusing. It's very confusing. It's hard to answer, actually, without, going, without showing someone and, and looking at the actual numbers. But if, if he doesn't, I mean, if, if he has enough payments made in to cover either 90% of this year's tax or 100% of last year's tax, he doesn't need to make any extra payments, but he will owe on April 15th, probably, in the following year. On the other hand, if he, if he doesn't meet the 90%, 100%, he will have to pay more and he'd have to pay that quarterly. So if he did it in March, he'd have to pay it in four quarters. If he did it midway through the year, well, that was midway through the year, so he, didn't, he missed the first one and that's okay because he hadn't done the conversion then. So he'd just basically have to take that tax and divide it by three over the next three payments. If it's the very last quarter, that's okay you missed the first three payments because you did the Roth conversion in the last
1: quarter. You just make that payment in Q4. All right. Clear as mud. <laughs> Thanks, Al. You're very welcome. Okay. We got Hung uh, from Riverside, California. Uh, good afternoon, Joe, Al, and Andy. I'm a fan of your podcast. Learned a lot and very much appreciate all the information. Thank you, Hong. We appreciate you writing in. And listening. Yeah. Just hanging, hanging out, having a cool name.
2: It's it a great name, right? I love it. I was thinking, that, that, I would like, that'd be better than Alan. That's hard to say. What's your name? Alan. Alan. I'd like to say Hog.
1: Hong. Hong. Yeah.
0: Sounds tough.
1: <laughs> yeah, much better. Um, I wish I'd known about your show early on. Well, that's. Better late than never, better. is what I say. Trust me. You didn't miss anything. Um, <laughs> show sucked. <laughs> we're barely just, you know, we're 13 years in. Just, tr- f- just finding our stride. Are you kidding? It still sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 57 years old and planning to convert my traditional IRA to Roth this year. Can you please advise, if I do a conversion this month, when would I need to pay the taxes? Oh, all right. One of those again. There we go. It's still confusing. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just answered this question. I, I don't you, even know you, the answer. You still didn't follow. <laughs> is it by December this year or April of next year uh, when I file my income tax, I plan to pay for the tax with money from my savings account? Thanks so much for your help. Okay, well, he's
2: saying, do, when do I need the – I did the conversion this month. Anyway, let me answer the question basically, and that is when you do a Roth conversion, you may have to pay – taxes uh, at that next estimated payment. If you don't have enough extra, if, in some, some cases people add their, to their withholding so they don't need to make estimated payments. In other cases they don't have enough salary to have extra withholding so they may have to make an estimated payment. And to go back to our, our first caller, our first question, um, if, you make a, if you make a Roth conversion, let's say in January, and it increases your income enough to where you're required to make estimated payments maybe I'll say it that way I'm getting better second time around (laughs) then you would need to uh, pay 25 percent of that tax in April 25 percent of that tax in June 25 percent in September and 25 percent in January the next year that's your four quarterly payments if on the other hand you do a Roth conversion in December, and you're required to make estimated payments because of your income, then you would just make that whole estimated payment in the fourth quarter, which is January 15th of the following year. It, if you make a Roth conversion during any time of the year, and you don't need to make estimated payments because you you fall under the safe harbor rules, then you'll just simply pay the tax on April 15th of the following year. Is that simpler? Simpler. Simpler.
0: As Jim and Hong and all the rest of us get ready to file our 2019 taxes, Big Al's tax planning guide can help with that preparation. Click the link in the description of today's episode in your podcast app to go to the show notes and download the tax planning guide. It's got the 2019 tax brackets, deadlines, tax issues, and updates, and strategies and actions you can take before you file. I've also posted the tax planning checklist there in the show notes, along with a great episode of the Your Money, Your Wealth TV show, where Joe and Big Al discuss how to take the sting out of taxes for you high income earners and of course the full transcript of today's podcast is there too if after all of that you still have unanswered money questions leave them for the fellas as a voice message or an email just click the ask joe and big al banner right there in the show notes
1: we got uh chris writes in from oceanside okay chris it's usually good to start an email by joe al Andy, love the show. Or, you know what, the show's average. Yeah, you could, you could say that. Or just some sort of intro. Just something. <laughs> or something. The guy just comes in and attacks us with questions. <laughs> he's right to the point. Right, I mean, he's worried about something here, it seems like. He might be an accountant. Not, it could be.
0: Is that how you start emails now? Oh. Y-
1: yes. You, get right you don't to say the hello? <laughs> nah. all right. uh, so, all right, Chris, with, uh, here's, here's Chris's question. There was no named beneficiary on an IRA. By default, it went to the estate. The will names two beneficiaries in the will without specifying anything about the IRA. The executor does not want to hold the estate open for years in order to take incremental distributions, thus minimizing taxes. Can the executor rename the IRA, put it into two IRAs, and the name of each estate beneficiary and maintain the ability to use the stretch method? It sounds like Chris is the executor, and Chris found out that uh, whoever died had this IRA, and the IRA did not have a named beneficiary. Right, and he's like, "Shut up." <laughs> <Shoot." laughs> um. What? So okay, let's let's talk about the rules here, Chris. Okay, because I mean, it sounds like Chris is pretty smart. Talks like you know, probably a CPA. Maybe he's an attorney. Could be. Right? He's like, oh. Maybe he's got a client. He doesn't know the <laughs> yeah, answer. He's like, i got to call so, Big Joe and Big Al.
2: You're trusting us. I don't know.
1: Uh, well, I you do know the answer to this. Okay. It's, let's, it's, let's hear it. So there's t- two things when it comes to IRAs, beneficiaries. There's a designated beneficiary and a non-designated beneficiary. And they both have different rules. You have a non Designated beneficiary on their retirement account, so it's named to the estate. So what? there's a couple of rules here. Um, It depends on when the required beginning date is. How old was the deceased when that person died? Because if they were over 70 and a half when they died, that would be past their required beginning date. Then they would have to take the required distributions based on their life expectancy, or they could cash the whole thing on and pay the tax. If it was prior to the required beginning date, it is under the five-year rule, so they would have to distribute it out within five years. So let's say it's a hundred thousand dollars. You have two beneficiaries, so then you're going to say, "All right, well, fifty thousand goes here, there. They're going to pay the tax. The estate pays the tax." If that, but it's it's the will. It's going through probate, right? Right. So the probate process is going to be like, here's all these assets. It's a non-designated beneficiary. It goes through the probate, so it's a five-year rule on it, depending on if it was before the required beginning date or after the required beginning date.
2: So if it was after the required beginning date, you go with the life expectancy of the deceased. deceased. Oh, yeah. See, I didn't even know that. I'm, a, I'm taking your word for it. I'm a pretty smart guy though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trusting you. You're, you're correct here.
0: So then is the answer to his direct question about na- renaming the IRA No, you and cannot, and n- you, cannot you cannot rename
1: IRAs. That. Here's how you can rename an IRA, because here's what happens sometimes, is that you have a, um, let's say, I'm going to name, on my IRA, I'm going to name Big Al, I'm going to name Andy, and then I'm going to name my nephew Joey. Those are my three beneficiaries. And then I'm also going to give 1% to the great school of University of Florida. Go Gators. Okay. Okay? So I have four beneficiaries on my beneficiary form. The non-designated beneficiary can blow this whole thing up because it doesn't have a heartbeat. There's no life expectancy. Even though there's big hearts in the University of Florida, it is not a designated beneficiary. It's an entity. But you guys have... Life expectancy. We have hearts. Yes. So, Joey, right? My namesake nephew is, I don't even know. He's about 10. Ah, damn it. (laughs) Let's call him five. (laughs) I think he's older than that. Somewhere between five and 10. Somewhere between five and 10. So, let's say he's five years old, right? So, his life expectancy, let's say it's age 85, like his stretch would be like one. 80th out of the overall account, if this was uh, before the SECURE Act, which eliminates the stretch. So he would have to take it out within 10 years. But this is assuming, like he was asking about the stretch IRA, right? right? So this still counts for the SECURE Act. So all of us would have to take it out within 10 years, but that, not, that, that doesn't the, the University of Florida, since it was on my beneficiary form? Then that's a non-designated beneficiary, so that's five years. So they take the oldest, right? To to use, uh, they used to use the oldest person to use the stretch IRA. Al's the oldest in the room, and oldest out of the all of our beneficiaries. beneficiaries, So all of us would either have to file, go off of the non-designated beneficiary, which would be the five-year rule, or Al's age. So the other rule is that you can split IRAs. Is that instead of saying, okay, well, because you have a non-design beneficiary, all right, by September 30th, you could split up the IRA. So non, all right, we're going to give that 1% to University of Florida. Andy, you're going to have your own IRA. Al, you're going to have your own IRA. And And then Joey's going to have his own IRA. And then they would be able to stretch it based on each individual's life expectancy so it wouldn't blow up a really young child with an older person. Mm -hmm. The SECURE Act kind of blew all that up because the stretch IRA is no longer, but it's a 10-year time frame versus a 5-year time frame. So a non-designated beneficiary, to my understanding, it's still the 5-year clock where they would have to deplete the account within 5 years. All of us humans now have 10 years. So there's still some tax ramifications if you don't do this correctly. What Chris was asking, can he still use the stretch method? And the answer is no, it's 5 years, it's going to go through probate. And that's why you gotta name a beneficiary on your IRAs, four hundred one k's, four hundred three b's, TSPs. Make sure that you really take a look at hard, hard look at that, um, because it's easily missed. So Chris
2: would either have to keep the estate open and distribute over five years, or if he wants to close it out, it's just a full distribution to each of the beneficiaries. Correct.
1: That is correct. Okay. Well, I learned something. All right, cool. We're just cruising along here. We're on page three out of 50. (laughs) We, We made some progress. All right, we got Paul from San Diego. Paul writes in, Dear Al and Joe, love your show. I inherited an IRA from my mother in March 2015, and I take a RMD yearly. This IRA is not in trust. I am 66 years of age, not married. Under the Secure Act, can I continue to stretch past Ten years, or must I liquidate in ten years? Uh, Paul, since you've already taken the RMDs, no. You're grandfathered under the old rules.
2: Yeah, that's a good thing. So basically the rules changed on January 1st of 2020. So um, yeah, since you're in 2015, you are under the old rules, so you can still do the stretch. All righty.
1: Michael from Ohio. Oh, great
2: one talking to you or me? Wow.
1: I don't know. I'm going to guess it's me. (laughs) I'm going to guess it's you, too, (laughs) actually, (laughs) just the way it was phrased. (laughs) Here's my question. The SECURE Act allows myself to contribute past age 72 on a yearly basis. Is that contribution tax deductible like it is now for my traditional IRA account up to age 72? This would allow me to contribute for me and my wife's account in deduct it all. Uh, Michael from Ohio. Well, oh, great one. No oh, great one. What do you say? <laughs> <laughs> well, he, I think he's got a couple of things m- mixed up here. <laughs> First of all, so let's talk about what I think he's asking. h seventy-two. So these. Ages kind of come into play sometimes. Ages 72 means that that is now the new age where you have to take a required minimum distribution. It was 70 and a half. So now they pushed it out to age 72, so you do not have to take a required distribution until you turn age 72 unless you were age 70 and a half prior to 2020. By the way, if you
2: were 70 and a half in 2019, you have to have taken the uh, the RMD or you have to take it here coming year. If you are age, if you were younger than seventy and a half on January first, two thousand twenty, now it's seventy two.
1: Seventy two. Um, <clears throat> another rule within the Secure Act is that now there is no age cutoff to do a traditional IRA. So you had to be under seventy and a half to do an IRA contribution. So it, but you needed earned income. So now there is no age limitation. So Michael, if you want to continue to work until age 90, and as long as you have earned income, you can still make IRA contributions for you and your spouse and deduct both of those IRAs. What do you think? Did I answer it? Yeah, that's correct.
2: As, as long as you um, are not in another retirement plan, and or your spouse is not in another retirement plan, and you're under the income limitations.
1: Okay,
0: so who gets to be called the great one then? I think that would be <laughs> <laughs>
1: that, that you know. was
2: that was Joe. Yeah. That was totally the way it's written. It was to Joe. Well, it kind of sounds
1: yeah because it was all messed up. <laughs> <laughs> no offense, Michael. You, you, well, you, he knew you were going to fix it. Yeah, I got we, we got we got we got, you, we got you covered. Yeah, double teamed it.
0: So does the Secure Act affect you, your family, your retirement, your inheritances, or your IRA contributions? Find out. Check out Big Al's Secure Act recap video and download our free Secure Act guide from the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. Get there by clicking the link in today's episode description in your podcast app. And don't forget to share. Post the episode link on Facebook or Twitter or LinkedIn or email it to your friends, family, and colleagues so that they know about this new law too. And realize the Secure Act may also open up some retirement planning strategies that you haven't yet considered. Click the free assessment button at YourMoneyYourWealth.com to schedule a personalized look at your financial situation.
1: Okay, we got one from Rose uh, from San Diego. Hi, Alan Joe. No, Andy, huh?
0: There's a lot of them that don't include me. No. That's fine.
1: I got it. I listen to you every weekend love, love the show. Got my daughter to listen to it as well. Rose. Thank you. Flattered. I'm also a past client. Oh, past. I know I know Rose. I've talked to her before. Oh, I know who Rose yeah, is. Yeah, you know Rose. I definitely know yeah. who Rose is. She's a past I, you, client. You and I met her early on. Oh, this was years ago. Yeah, it was. Yeah. All right. I have a question that I'm Hoping you can answer. I'm currently age 72. I've been taking my RMDs from my traditional IRA. I also have a solo 401k, as I am a sole proprietor of a business. My CPA helped me set up a solo 401k to help me defer some of the income by deducting my annual contributions to the 401k. My question is, can I do a Roth conversion after I take my annual RMD, as well as make my annual contributions to the 401k, or is it not allowed or fraud upon uh, upon the IRS? Rose, yes, you can fully fund the 401k plan and do a conversion, but you do have to take your required distribution out first before you do the conversion, uh, not after. Yeah, and
2: that's a great question, because I think a lot of people feel like once they hit required minimum distribution age, which now is 72, they can't do Roth conversions anymore, and that's not true. You certainly can do Roth conversions. You just have to take your required minimum distribution first, as you said, Joe.
1: So yeah, and if you're still working, Rose, and you're still p- um, putting money into the old four hundred one k plan, uh, you can fully fund that as much as you want up to the IRS limits, and do a conversion. So there's uh, IRS does not frown upon that. All right, uh, Maggie from Los Angeles, dear Joe and Al, I'm a big fan of your podcast. Thank you for your contribution to U.S. retirement world. Huh. Well, wow, that's a great comp. Thanks, Maggie. <laughs>
2: Thank you. Are we
1: are we contributing to the
2: U.S. retirement world? <laughs> Some, some half, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes. half the time, <laughs> quarter of the time, maybe. I think
0: you're uh, on the charts in Brazil right
1: now. So uh, yeah, literally. Oh, thank you for.
2: Okay, well, that's pretty good.
1: Oh God! If... <laughs> <laughs> I just I would like to thank my mom <laughs> for this <laughs> honor. <laughs> this is like a,
2: our best compliment we've ever had
1: or is or is, is like u.s. retirement world a magazine <laughs> <laughs> or she's saying our contribution to the retirement in the world
2: yeah well it's it's at least u.s. we get we, we know that
1: <laughs> oh god Okay, if all of the financial advisors out there are as knowledgeable as you guys, it would be a much better world for people who need
2: Need help in their retirement. Who need
1: help in their retirement. Oh, thank you so much, Maggie. Marvelous. Let's just go to commercial break. (laughs) That's it. That's a wrap. Yeah. Oh, man. I have a quick question regarding backdoor Roth conversions. Um, I don't have a traditional nor a Roth IRA currently, but I have a simple IRA, which is not two years old yet. Uh, why do you think she's asking about the two years? Yeah, there's a two-year rule about uh, taking money out of your simple. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, uh, that's Maggie, knowledgeable. Um, I plan to open a traditional IRA. Uh, no, I'm, I plan to open up a traditional and a Roth IRA, Charles Schwab, and then do a backdoor conversion. However, Charles Schwab um, website states that. If your IRA contains non-deductible after-tax contributions, your conversion will consist of partly non-deductible contributions and partly deductible pre-tax contributions and earnings. You'll be taxed based on the percentage of after-tax Or She's talking about just the pro-rata rule. Yes, she is. Right? Uh-huh. So she, yep. Then she gives a, a, an, an example. example. Um, so then you should refer to 86. I guess her question is, I'm wondering, does this count? My simple IRA. So, if you have an IRA, and what she's let's kind of backtrack here because she's looking at doing a backdoor Roth IRA contribution. It's a really good question. Backdoor Roth IRA. What the hell is that? Is that she makes too much money to do a straight contribution into a Roth IRA? There's AGI limitations. I'm not sure if Maggie is single or if she's married, but if she makes more than roughly, I don't know, what is it for twenty twenty hundred? What's the AGI limitations for Roth for this year?
2: Oh, it's about, it's about 130 something.
1: 140, 137, 138? Yeah. I don't have like that. I don't have it with me either. Um, and then it's a couple hundred thousand dollars if you're married. Yep. So she makes more than that. So she wants to get money into a Roth. So what some people have done, and the advice that we've, not advice, but strategy that we've talked about on the show, is that anyone can contribute to a traditional IRA as long as you're under 70 and a half. But now with the Secure Act, guess what? No age limitation there, too. So you can contribute to an IRA at any income limits as long as you have earned income. So Maggie wants to put in $7,000 into an IRA. So she'll have basis in that IRA because she can't take the deduction because she makes too much money. She can't put it directly into a Roth because she makes too much money. So she puts it into a traditional IRA, $7,000. It has basis. It's an after-tax contribution. She can then convert that $7,000 into a Roth and pay no tax. If she does not have any other IRAs. If there's other IRAs involved, then it's the pro rule. They take a look at all IRAs, they include them as one, and they look at the percentage of what you have in basis divided into the total IRAs that you have, and then that is going to be the percentage of tax-free conversion that you would do. The question is, Al, she's got a simple, does it count? Uh, It does, unfortunately. So, your simple IRA would be added to
2: your new IRA, and so you'd have to do the pro rata rule. And if you've got a lot of money or even a little bit of money in the simple IRA, this may or may not be a great strategy because when you do
1: your back to Roth, some of it will be taxable. Here's the fix what does she do? Oh, she sets up a 401k. You roll it into a solo 401k, Maggie. Set up a Solo 401k, move it into the Solo 401k, because a simple plan is a, is she's self-employed. she so set up a simple plan, but this is the problem. She probably has employees. That's maybe why she set up the simple, because it's a pretty cheap... Probably. She could
2: set up a uh, Safe Harbor 401k, but unfortunately those are pretty expensive.
1: So it depends um, how much that, uh, I mean, I guess, how anxious are you to do a backdoor Roth? Right. And how much do you have in your simple? If it's just a little bit, then who cares? Don't worry about it. Right. So, a couple of options for you. You can set up a Safe Harbor 401k for your company. Maybe you s- switch the simple plan to a solo 401k plan. If you don't have employees. If you don't have employees, um, then because the 401k is not the same as an IRA, right? So, you can do the back tour there. Again, this is not advice. This is just a couple of kids. A suggestion. Couple of kids just talking about conversions and saving the world. Yes. Saving the, the US the, the, retirement the world. The retirement
2: world. Do you think we qualified for that answer? Did we save the world?
1: I think we saved a couple of bucks for Maggie in Los Angeles. Yeah, we saved her world. We did. Her her retirement world. Yeah. I'll rock your retirement world, Maggie. <laughs> Man, I wish I had
0: that on video. Oh, boy. If you could have seen the hip shake in the chair.
2: Oh, I wish I could put that out of I my mouth already. <laughs> I'm sitting closer to you, Andy, and I saw the entire body
1: shake. It was not pretty. Okay, moving on. <laughs> moving on. We got Susan from Atlanta, Georgia. Hot Atlanta. You used to live there I did So did I Years ago Oh, you did too I lived in the Darlington I haven't even visited Right across the street From the Piedmont Hospital Yeah Right on Peachtree Avenue Where did you live, Andy?
0: Sandy Springs Oh, yeah, Sandy Springs
1: Springs. Okay Sure I'm familiar with that
0: Uh, Well, yeah, because it's just above (laughs) Buckhead And that's probably where you spend All your time I did spend a lot
1: of time in Buckhead Um, More time than I probably should (laughs) have Did did you shake your hips? I did I shaked everything don't worry about it. All right. Dear Andy, Joe, and Al, I'm enjoying the podcast and have increased my financial knowledge. Thank you. I have two questions about a future potential inheritance. Uh, it's going to be a brokerage account and an IRA. So a couple questions here. Number one, my 82-year-old mother has a taxable brokerage account with nice gains. Uh, she hopes to leave the account intact so the basis steps up without her uh, with her death. She thinks my brother and I should sell everything immediately and take cash. I think we should evaluate each holding and decide which to sell based on potential. We would get the stepped up in basis either way. What are your thoughts? I would sell and reinvest to your specific goals. An investment strategy, I uh, completely agree. I would sell everything just as you had cash. If these
2: are great investments, then <laughs> great. Sure, right. But but why limit yourself to what your mom had? I think uh, there's a whole universe of investments that probably make more sense for you. Yeah.
1: So if, if mom's 82, I don't know how old you are. Uh, so you just want to make sure that you're, it's based on your goals. What are you trying to accomplish? What's the money for? Blah blah blah. Uh, question two: She also has an IRA that. Is primarily invested in laddered zero coupon bonds. One bond matures yearly, with dates through twenty twenty seven. My brother and I will, uh, my brother and I will inherit equally. Each bond has a fifty thousand dollar maturity value, assuming she passes before all the bonds have matured. Can the bonds be split so we each get half? Thanks for the information. Okay, so twenty twenty seven, she passes away. Um, and she's asking if the bonds get split. Well, so if she,
2: let's say she passes in 2024, so there's still three bonds, right? Sh- how many bonds does she have? Well, several that go through 2027, let's just say the yearly date. So let's just say there's at least three bonds left, Yeah. and now there's now there's two beneficiaries, so can the bonds be split?
1: Sure. I mean, you'd sell the bonds on the market. Yeah, but but then you'd get a different rate. Yeah, you, I mean, and you might sell it at a discount. You'd forfeit. you'd <laughs> the- forfeit some interest. Well, you know what a zero coupon bond is, right? So, you buy the bond, let's say for ten dollars, and in twenty twenty seven, it's going to be worth fifteen dollars, right? Right. So there's no interest paid. It's zero zero coupon. Okay. Right. So there's no interest paid. The the coupon, but there's phantom income that you have to pay taxes on. That's probably why she bought it inside in, the IRA. In the
2: IRA. So right? yeah. So that part doesn't matter. Right. So in that case, because mm-hmm. there's you're not really, you're not really. Surrendering it, right? You're right. Just splitting uh,
1: uh, yeah. I mean, you're just splitting the IRA, and then you would just kind of take a look to see. All right. Well, if you have to split one bond in half, you're probably going to have to sell the bond or hold. Depends on what you want to do. I mean, I don't know. I would just sell the bond. Take it at it. You know, whatever. There's a market price for it. Yeah. If it matures, but, you know, if you're selling it a, a, one year prior to maturity, there's still a market price. Right. You're, you're just going to not get the full price for
2: it. Yeah, there's a market price. And if the interest rate's higher than what it is now, you'll get a premium, right? Yeah, Dep- yeah Dep- I probably see. doubt that. It because could,
1: could be. No, Why? probably not. Why? Well, she'll probably get something. Because it's zero coupon. Yeah. Yeah. Right, because it's a little bit different kind yep. of animal. I'm not a bond trader, <laughs> as you can see. <laughs> and I'm, I know less than you do. <laughs> yeah. So, so we didn't save the world on this uh, yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> <See, it's> <laughs> I love Buckhead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Um, can you split the bond? Yes. I'm going to say yeah. Uh, but you're going to have to sell the bond.
2: I'm going to say check with your broker. Broker, Yes. Because we're not entirely sure. Yeah.
1: Well, since Alan, we give Susan some really good advice on her zero-coupon bonds. <laughs> she yeah. wrote back in.
2: Well, here's my <clears throat> response to that. The first question I give us an A. Second question, I would say D
1: minus. Oh, wow. That's a C. <laughs> I bet I'm right. Hey, Joe and Al and Andy. This is my second email, as I thought of something else, I want to ask. I'm in the suburbs of Atlanta, since you always want to know. Thank you, Susan. Yes, I do want to know, yeah, because we, we like do. to stalk our listeners. <laughs> What's the and street? Andy's going to show up on your doorstep. And say, here's what you do with your zero-coupon bond. <laughs> we got, like, door-to-door <laughs> service uh, when it comes to answers that we follow up on uh, the show here. Um, okay. All anyway. right. <clears throat> so we, we got a question from, another question from yes, Susan. Yes, from Suze. Um, I found your podcast a couple of months ago. I've been binge-listening the last few weeks. Y'all make me laugh while also providing good information. Okay. I have a Roth conversion question that I haven't heard yet. Do you ever recommend people converting beyond their current tax rate? I'm self-employed, my income is in the mid to high 40s, so I'm currently in the 12% tax bracket, finally had a household. I've been partially converting my IRA to Roth IRA over the last couple of years. I'm wondering if I should potentially exceed the 12% tax bracket. This would allow an extra $30,000 in conversion. I'm 52, 240 in my Roth, 450 in my rollover IRA, plus 360 in non-qualified accounts. I've been paying the conversion tax for my emergency fund. I think so. you, you got to run the numbers, Susan. But yes, I think with rates as low as they are, 12 to 22%, with the amount of money that you currently have, you're single, head of household, you will be filing single unless you find an, um, um, a spouse, and then your tax rates change. But I, in some cases, yes, I think it does make sense. I would agree. In some cases, yes, but certainly not all cases. So you just got to run the numbers a little bit more. Uh, thanks so much for the, the, the questions. That's it for us. For Andy Last, Big Al Clopine, I'm Joe Anderson. Have a wonderful life, everyone. show is called Your Money, Your Wealth.
0: If you like the non-financial derails, we have some of those and a financial derail as well. So stick around to the very end. If you think they're annoying, go to the podcast show notes and email us. Let us know. If you're a blues and harmonica fan and you remember the 1966 song, Shake Your Hips, which was originally by Slim Harpo and made even more famous by the Rolling Stones in 1973, Check the resources in the podcast show notes for one of the most blistering versions of that song ever recorded. At least that's my opinion. Get to the show notes by clicking that link in the description of today's episode in your podcast app. Your Money, Your Wealth is presented by Pure Financial Advisors. Click the free assessment button at yourmoneyyourwealth.com and sign up for a free two-meeting financial assessment with a CFP via video web meeting or in person at one of our four offices in Southern California. Pure Financial Advisors is a registered in Investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full and informed investment decision.
1: We really appreciate you guys hanging out with us over the years, listening, writing in, calling in. Jim Promotion Side. What was right? that would call in every week when we were oh, in the early scrolls. days. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And the crazy guy from Coronado. Yeah. John from Coronado. John, yeah,
2: I remember. He always asked about gold and yeah, all kinds of investments. Crazy stuff. And wh- someone called us one time and said, knowing that the world is coming to an end, how should I invest next <laughs> year? Wow. <laughs> that was yeah. a live call.
1: How
0: did you answer that?
1: i hung up on him. Yeah, and then in 2008, you know, things are not great the market right and then al and i would you know try to keep it light and you know laugh a little bit and, and have some fun yeah oh we'd get hate mail yeah people this, this is, is not, not funny a, this is not a funny time <laughs> 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 you should not be making fun of this and laughing. you should be ashamed of yourself for laughing at a joke it's like oh my god <laughs> relax. It's not like, oh, everyone's going broke, ha, ha, ha. You know? He was talking about his kid, like he was bathing his kid at 22 years old or something. So we laughed.
0: Wow. I I feel like I just walked into a conversation and I don't know all the details. You don't need to know.
1: (laughs) I don't like saying decades. You know? No, because it sounds like this one guy I listen to and he always says, well, I've been in the business for the past decade. It's, it, like, he's just trying to make them something like more experience or something. Got it. Okay. All right. Well, I've been in the business for 40 decades. <laughs> <How many times? laughs> how many, 40 decades. How many, wow. how many wow. that's Four pretty, decades. That's pretty
2: good. Yeah. How, how old am I? Five hundred. Getting, 500. You're getting yep. there. <laughs> you're getting up there. <laughs> you know how I learned what a zero coupon bond was? From Joe? No. Oh. This well, well before I met you, when my early real estate investing days, <laughs> I, I read all kinds of uh, crazy books and ta- got tape sets. And this one guy said, "Here's what you do." Tape sets? What, ta- is, what, tape are, the, what are those? Cassette tape sets. What way are, I don't way back when. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll. I'll, uh, I'll on what you what you stream now, we had to put this little thing that looked like a little thing thing. <laughs> you put it in a little It's a, little little thing and it's and you a cassette, it, and it put it in a thing. <laughs> Got put, it. Put a cassette and a cassette player. <laughs> anyway, so I was listening to this guy, and he goes, he goes, so here's here's what you do. You go out and find a property you want, and properties were cheaper than So he goes, and he was talking about like in a in a place where properties are really cheap. So he said, so you, you find a property for seventy five thousand dollars. And it's free and clear, and you go up to the owner and say, I'll pay you 75. In fact, I'll pay you 80. And the owner goes, Sure. <laughs> and then you give them a the zero coupon bond with a maturity of 80, <laughs> that you spent 20000 for because interest rates were pretty high then. And I remember thinking, I don't even understand what you're talking about. But then I checked it out, and I thought, wow, that's really clever, and I could never do that. That's Basically, you're paying $20,000 for a $75,000 property. So
1: that's fraud, is it? I mean, what the no, hell? It's not fraud, but
2: it's not right.
1: Well, I'm going to give you $80,000, but you're not going to collect the $80,000 for, for t- another 20, 20 years. years. Yeah, right. Sure. I'll yeah. sign up for that. <laughs> Who signs up for that?
2: Well, I, it had to be during a period of time when people were desperate. No wonder why I was on a cassette tape.
0: Was this Carlton <laughs> Sheets?
2: No, but it was—it was. Somebody like that. It wasn't Carlton Sheets. wasn't quite that bad, but it was—it was someone else.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. We don't like to name names here.
0: Oh, sorry. Well, it wasn't him, so we didn't name a name. Okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I like that, y'all. Y'all. Yeah. That's. Um, that's Atlanta Southern
0: things. Atlanta. Right?
2: Did you talk that way when you lived uh, in Atlanta? Of course I did. Yeah.
0: I still say y'all
1: I, because yeah. of Atlanta. Because of Atlanta. I assimilate. No, I never said y'all. I also say crikey Minnesota. because of Australia. <laughs> that would yeah, be but, really hard for me to do that. But if you live there. <laughs>